welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There was a family who just had a brand new little baby enter their family, and so they uh, went to church because grandma told them they needed to get the little baby baptized. So they weren't kind of regular churchgoers, but they showed up. They got the little baby baptized. But on the way home, they had a five-year-old brother named Jason. And the entire way home after the little baby got baptized, Jason sat in the back seat of the car and just sobbed uncontrollably. And his parents kept asking, Jason, what's wrong? But Jason wouldn't say anything. But finally, through the tears and through the sobs, Jason said, Well, when the pastor was baptizing my little baby brother, he said that he'll be brought up in a Christian home. But I really want him to stay with us. (laughs) And church, let me just tell you something. It's hard, isn't it, to hear that? Because I think as as parents, as, as followers of Jesus, we want our kids to grow up in the way that God has set for us. And sometimes that's a difficult thing to do. And so if you're a guest, we're so glad you're joining us. For those of you watching online or listening to our podcast, we've been in a series called No Place Like Home. And we've been walking through this together, what it means to base our home on the foundation of God's Word. What does God's Word have to say about your marriage, your parenting, your kids, your in-laws, all these different roles that we have? Because God's Word has a lot to say about that. And we've been using the backdrop of the story, The Wizard of Oz, that classic movie that's also been in books and theaters, and this idea that there's no place like home. So again, if you've missed it, I encourage you to go to our website, go to our online. You can watch back. Um, We've talked about the wizard. We've talked about the scarecrow. We talked about the tin man, the cowardly lion. And last week was so much fun. We talked about Toto (laughs) and what God's word has to say about our pets. And can I just say God's word has a lot to say about our pets and what that means and how to draw us to relationship with us. But today we're going to look at a very interesting character. And I've been real excited about this week to share with you because this is one of the most important characters of the Wizard of Oz. So critical to the story. That's right. Today, we're going to look at the Wicked Witch of the West. Boy, I remember when I was a little kid and I watched that show on TV for the first time. Man, I remember being scared of the Wicked Witch of the West. She was kind of scary, wasn't she? And, And the American Film Institute ranked... All of the movie villains of all time. Think of every movie that was made and all the different villains in all the movies. Did you know the Wicked Witch of the West is actually ranked number four as the fourth greatest villain in the history of movies? Why is that the case? Because I think she did such a great job about that. And and for those of you who don't know, my wife and I and our family, several years ago, we got a chance to go out to, to California and we got a chance to tour at, now it's Sony Picture Studios, but that was built on MGM where The Wizard of Oz was actually filmed. We've had the privilege of standing literally in the same building where they filmed The Wizard of Oz. And it, it's funny because it looks like this big, giant, empty warehouse. It's just, it's really not a very stimulating place, but that's where it was filmed. But in one spot over to the side, there's this little kind of trap door looking thing and it's bright yellow. And the reason why that is, they say, that is the spot, if you remember in the movie, where the Wicked Witch of the West appeared when there was a puff of smoke and she dropped in from the, and then she disappeared. Do you guys remember that part in the movie? That was that spot. We actually stood in that spot. What you may not know is while they were filming that movie, there was an explosion that happened when the, when the smoke came up and the actress, her name is Margaret Hamilton, she was actually 
actually burned by that first explosion, had severe scarring on her face. And it actually, the scarring kept for her the rest of her life. Isn't that an interesting story about that? Now, why do I tell you that? Because although Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch of the West, the fourth greatest movie villain of all time, was actually a super sweet lady. <laughs> and the people who knew her best said that she was one of the nicest, most kindest people they had ever met. But yet she played the fourth greatest villain in movie history. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that fascinating? In fact, it bothered Margaret Hamilton so much that her role, her character, scared so many little kids for years that in 1975, nearly 40 years after the filming of the movie, Margaret Hamilton was a special guest on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. How many of you remember that episode? I remember that episode growing up, right? And Mr. Rogers, one of my heroes in life, had Margaret Hamilton on and talked with kids about how she played a character. How she wasn't really the Wicked Witch of the West. She was playing a character in a movie. They brought on the costume and they helped the kids look through that. So, so my question to you is, how can someone who's so sweet, so gentle, so kind, play such an evil villain? How does that work? How does that happen? And, and let me just flip it for you for a second. Did you know that each one of us are capable of being very evil and wicked? Now, that might be hard to hear because we think, well, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of made some mistakes, pastors, I'm not that great a person, sure, I've blown, but, but I wouldn't say I was evil and wicked. But yet, here's what I want to contend. Every single one of us has the capacity for that. And, and let's just apply it to our homes for a second. Did you know that wickedness destroys homes every single day? And for some of you, maybe your home growing up was destroyed by somebody who made a wicked decision. Maybe it was a father who abandoned his family. Maybe it was a spouse who cheated on their partner and destroyed their marriage. Maybe it was a child who turned away and rejected their parents' love and acceptance. Maybe it was an in-law who felt it was their need to stick their nose into a marriage and really kind of screwed it up. That happens too. Church, every physical, every emotional, every sexual abuse that occurs in a home is wickedness. What causes that? What, what takes us from the people that we want to be, that we want to desire, to becoming that wicked thing? And wickedness is, destroys homes every single day. And, and I think part of the problem is wickedness is really easy to see in other people, isn't it? But it brings me back to Margaret Hamilton. Every single person in this room, church, is capable of wickedness. Well, what does that mean? Well, just to kind of help us with this, we're going to go back. If you remember, we talked about week two, and we've seen here, our four stools. If you're a guest, we talked about this back in week two of the series. I encourage you to go back and watch it. And to help us understand how we can be capable of wickedness, I need to kind of walk us through this again. Just as kind of a reminder, and again, if you're a guest, this is a good thing to understand. So we talked about this in the, the context of a guy by the name of King Solomon. He was a king who lived um, back in the nation of Israel. And um, you can read about it in the book of 1 Kings, but we won't go there right now. But basically, God came to King Solomon and God said, I will give you whatever you ask for. Whatever you want. If you want riches, I'll give you riches. If you want power, I'll give you power. If you want great fame, I'll give you great fame. Solomon, what's the one thing that I'll give you and I'll give it to you? And if you remember, church, what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. He said, God, above anything, I want to get wisdom. I want to be a wise and discerning king. And if you remember what we talked about, the reason we said that is because his father was King David. You remember David and Goliath, the little slingshot, right? And he grew up to be one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. And Solomon says this. If you go to uh, 
Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. This is what Solomon says. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Solomon shared about when he was a little boy, his daddy would just tell him that over and over and over and over again. And again, we talked about that in week two. But, but Solomon also says in the book of Proverbs, there's three other stools that we can sit on in our life. Now, all of us decide that we want to sit on the stool of wisdom. If we went around this room, you say, I want to be in wisdom. But yet, there's three other stools that we can sit on, and Solomon talks about that. Here's the first stool that Solomon talked about. is the stool of the simple. Over 15 times in the book of Proverbs, Solomon refers to someone being simple. What does he mean by that? For example, Proverbs 7, 7, he says, I saw among the simple, I noticed a young man, a youth, who had no sense. The easiest way to understand simple is to think about a child. Think about a youth. Now, we said before, children aren't necessarily innocent because we're all born into sin. But children, a lot of times, are simple. They just don't know better. They need to learn. They need to be taught, which is why we have school. That's why we have education, parenting. So we need to learn better. But I just said it's not just applying to kids, right? Simple can mean like maybe you start a brand new job and you don't know how to do things or, or you're, you're new to marriage, those types of things. All of us at life sometimes are simple. But the jump to being simple to wise is very easy. Don't miss this, church. To be simple, to go from simple to wise, you just have to learn. You just have to learn. Okay, this is information I didn't know before. Now I know it. So now if I do it, I go from being simple to being wise. You're with me, church, okay? But there's a second, a third stool that we sit at, right? There's the wise, there's the simple, and then there's a stool called the fool. So in the Bible, like we talked about, there's uh, the simple, the wise, and the fool. The fool... The simple is 15 times. The fool is actually 72 times. Solomon talks about being a fool 72 times. That's quite a jump from being simple to a fool, right? You know why that is? Because there's a lot of fools. <laughs> Let me just simplify it for you. The simple says, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. The fool says, I already know. I just choose not to do. And we talked about this. Again, go back and watch week two. Sometimes we're foolish. There are certain things you don't need me to stand up here and tell you. You don't need me to stand up here and tell you you shouldn't spend more money than you make, okay? Because if you do, Solomon, not me, says that's being foolish. But yet sometimes we do that, don't we? We don't need to be told that, that God, we should take care of our bodies. We should watch what we eat. We should get enough activity. You don't need a pastor or anybody else to tell you that. You already know that. Sometimes we just don't do it, do we? Because sometimes we're foolish. And that's the difference between being simple and being foolish. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of the fool seems right to them. But the wise listen to advice. See, we can sit in the chair, the wise, the simple, or the fool, but that brings us to our fourth stool. And again, I'm not going to go into these details. Go back and watch week two. But we talked about this, and I introduced it in week two. Week two, it's our stool of today, the stool of wickedness. And although none of us would say we are wicked, yet I would contend at some points in our life we've sat in this stool, haven't we? And we've seen that in a lot of the things we talked about. Now, if Solomon said about the simple 15 times, he talked about the fool 72 times, he talked about wickedness 87 times. 87 times in the book of Proverbs, Solomon talks about what it means to be wicked. Why would you think that's the case? And I would contend the wickedness stool is the most harmful, most dangerous stool we can sit in, but yet... It's also the hardest to see in the mirror. 
We can see wicked behavior very easily in other people, but it is super hard for us to see the wickedness in the mirror. And that's the real dangerous of being a fool, is the longer you sit in the fool stool, the easier it is to be wicked. Look at what Solomon says, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 23. A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. See, the real danger of sitting in the fool chair is the longer we sit there, the easier it is to be wicked. Now, I've never met somebody who said, you know what, I really want to destroy my life. Boy, I think it would be great if I just completely wrecked my family, wrecked my marriage. None of us think that. And I've heard this a lot. Like, my parents did this. Boy, my dad was this or my mom was that. I'm never going to be like that. And then you find out, you find yourself doing the exact same thing sometimes, don't you? Or how about this? My last marriage, boy, this is what happened in my last marriage. Boy, in this marriage, I'm going to make it completely different. And yet, we don't always see that, do we? And that's why we talked about how sometimes the divorce rate of second marriage is even higher than the first marriage. Why? Because there's a wickedness there. And I would contend wickedness is easy to recognize in others, but it's difficult to see in ourselves. And each one of us are capable of being wicked. And like I said before, nobody would go into a marriage thinking, boy, I hope this ends in divorce. Boy, I really hope that I screwed this up. But yet it happens all the time. Nobody has a kid and said, boy, I really hope I screw this kid up. Yet it happens. And it's very sneaky and it's very, it kind of slips in on us sometimes. Why, why is that the case? And let me just give you an example of this. Jesus talked about us as being sheep. When Jesus described us as followers of Jesus Christ, he described us as being sheep. Do you know why Jesus called us sheep? And I'm just going to be very crass here, because sheep are dumb. <laughs> if you've ever worked with sheep, you can understand. Sheep aren't that smart. Sheep need a shepherd. And if sheep are left to their own, it does not go well. So why, how can we get led astray? Maybe you've heard that term before. Maybe you've heard the parable of the lost sheep, where Jesus left the 99 and went and found the one, and, and that's who we are. How does a sheep go astray? And it's the same for sheep, and I would just contend it's the same for you and I. A sheep gets led astray one bite of grass at a time. Sheep don't wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to run away from my herd, I'm going to run away from my shepherd. They don't have that capacity. But you know what they do? They see this yummy little piece of grass, they go, oh, that looks good, and they turn and they take a little bite. And then they look down the road and they're like, oh, that looks kind of good too, and they take another bite. And they take another bite, and they take another bite, and they take another bite. And before you know it, the shepherd and his herd is all the way over here, and here's his sheep all the way by himself. Church, don't miss this. It's exactly the same for you and I. When we leave our shepherd, when we go astray, it's the exact same way. Let me help you with this. It's just a look. It's not a big deal. It's just, I just took a look. Yeah, I looked a little longer than I should have. Okay, it's just, but it was just a look. It's no big deal. It's just talking. I was just talking to her. Is there anything wrong with talking? Is there anything wrong with talking? There's nothing wrong with talking. I, I'm just talking with her. It's no big deal. What's wrong with that? It's just a phone call. Yeah, I mean, we talked for two hours on the phone, yeah, but it's just a call. We're just talking on the phone. Is it wrong for me to talk on the phone with somebody? Really, it's bad for me to talk on the phone with somebody? That's no big deal. It's just lunch. I mean, I got to eat anyway. She's got to eat anyway. Let's, let's go out and have lunch. It's not a big deal. We're, just, we're, we're in a restaurant. We're in a public place. We're, we're just talking. We're eating lunch together. It's no big deal, is it? 
it's just work and late. I got to work. You know, I'm busy. You know, there's a lot going on. I've, I've got to work late. I've got to put in more hours. Yeah, she's going to be there and we've got to work together, but it's just, it's just work and late. We're really busy right now. You know, it's just a support. You know, her husband has just been horrible and awful. And yeah, I, I've been a shoulder for her to cry on so she can just pour out all of her pain and frustration. I mean, yeah, but, but it's no big deal. I'm just being a support. I'm being, I'm being a godly person and helping them out. If we were watching this on a TV show, you'd probably think the music would start to change right now, right? And it would start to go on. Can I just tell you something? Every single affair starts with one little bite of grass. And it's not a big deal. But the further you go and the more bites you take, the more you find a way, and then you find yourself in a place that God never intended you to be. And you don't have to use just, just affairs. You can talk about addiction with that. You can talk about your finances with that. Every single time we go astray, it's just one little bite of grass away, and it leads us down the path of wickedness. A little nibble here, a little wandering there, and before you know it, your home is completely destroyed. And all because of we sat in the chair of wickedness. Now, I'm going to take what's going to feel like a left turn. Okay? And, and, and I'm going to go somewhere because I want you to understand, if we want to overcome wickedness in our life, this is going to be so important for us to understand. Because I want us to, because wickedness destroys homes. We can agree on that. And if we had time, we could share stories about how maybe marriages or kids or whatever have fallen apart because of that. But it's so important we understand wickedness is hard to see in ourselves. It's easy to see in others. It's hard to see in the mirror. Jesus taught this when he said, before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, what do you need to do? Take the log out of your own eye first so you can see clearly. Okay? So I'm going to give you the key to taking the log out of your own eye. But in order to do this, I'm going to set you up for this. Do you guys remember in the Wizard of Oz what the Wicked Witch of the West, what was the one thing the Wicked Witch of the West wanted? She had one possession that she wanted really, really bad, and Dorothy had them. Anybody remember what it was called? The ruby red slippers. When Dorothy first came to Oz, the wicked witch of the West said, I want those ruby red slippers. And they were on Dorothy's feet. Now, if you remember, the witch didn't really want Dorothy. She just wanted the slippers. Dorothy just happened to have the slippers on. Remember that part? And in the early part, in that very first scene where we meet the wicked witch of the West, the good witch, Glinda, is there with her. You guys remember this part? Okay. And she says a line that I think is so important that if you blow past it, you miss it. If you remember, the good witch, Glenda, said to Dorothy, oh, those ruby red slippers must have a lot of power if the witch wants them so badly. You need to keep them and you need to protect them because these ruby red slippers are powerful. That is why the wicked witch of the West wants them so bad. So here's where I'm going with this, church. There is an enemy out there who wants something really bad for you. He doesn't want you. He doesn't care about you. But if he can get you to believe this lie, then he's got you on the path of wickedness and will follow that. See, I don't know if you've ever had this happen before, but when you're tempted, because the Bible says we will be tempted. When you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you still get tempted. But, but here's the thing about when you're tempted. I don't know if this is true about you, but it's true about me. When I'm thinking about a temptation, I'm thinking, well, it's no big deal. Right? It's, just, it's just a talk. It's just a look. It's no big deal. It's no big deal, but, but here's the thing. Satan will get me to believe that lie, and then as soon as I do it, what does he do? He flips it on me, doesn't he? I can't believe you did that. That was so horrible. Why would you do such a... I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a follower of Jesus. Anybody else ever had that happen? I'm the only one? Okay. <laughs> it happens. He wants us to believe that lie. Why? Because he knows the power of the ruby red slippers. 
And, and if you remember from the story of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, if you remember at the end, what takes Dorothy from the Wizard of, Land of Oz back to her home? The ruby red slippers. Do you remember this scene where the good witch says to Dorothy, what do you have to do? Tap your heels together three times and say, church, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Do you want to overcome wickedness in your life? Do you know that you have the power and you've had the power the whole time? And it's the ruby red slippers. And what is the ruby red slippers, church? You ready for this? It's one word. It's going to be on the screen behind me. You want to write this down. To overcome wickedness in your life, you have the power, you have the ruby red slippers. It's one word. It's the word repent. Repent. Now, that word has a lot of connotations. And I don't know about you, whenever I hear the word repent, I have this southern preacher in my head that goes, you need to repent, right? Anybody else have that? I don't know why that's the case, right? But that's what we think about. We hear the word repent. Do you know what the word repent actually means? It means to turn. Turn around. This sheep, go back to the sheep on the hill, right? The sheep on the hill is so far. He's wandered away from his shepherd. His shepherd's over there. If he keeps going, if he keeps taking bites of grass, is he going to get further away or closer? He's going to get further away. But if he turns around, he's going to start the path back to the shepherd and away from the wickedness. You know what the Bible teaches us? It teaches us to turn from our wickedness. Turn back to the shepherd. Church, do you know why the enemy doesn't want you to repent? Because he knows the power of repentance. He knows the power of those ruby red slippers, and he will do everything in his sick power to keep you from doing the one thing that's going to bring you freedom from wickedness. And that's that one word, repent. And if I could just give you some encouragement, church, you have the ruby red slippers. You've had the power the whole time to avoid your marriage from going off the cliff. You have the power the whole time to avoid your finances from going off the cliff. You have the power the whole time of keeping your kids from going off the cliff. We need to repent and we need to turn back to the shepherd. So if you got your note sheets, I'm going to give you four things. And, uh, and on this idea of repentance with ruby red slippers, and, and like a really good Wesleyan, they all start with R, okay? So, so you guys, all four of these start with R, so they'll be really easy for you to remember when it comes to repenting and ruby red slippers. Do you see what I did there? Isn't that great? I love when God does stuff like that, okay? Now, I, I'm laughing about this and I'm having fun because I, I want to keep it light, but I, I can't say this enough. This is going to be probably the hardest thing you've ever done. And that's why I'm trying to lighten it up and have some fun with it, because it's pretty important. It's pretty serious. So when it comes to the word repentance, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to recognize it. You need to recognize it. You need to say, listen, this is not okay. It might not be a big deal. It might not be the, the thing that's going to blow my marriage. But this one action right here is not okay. I can't justify it. I can't go forward with it. I can't do it. I need to recognize this is not okay. If you've been part of recovery, you understand this is the first and most important step in recovery. To recognize I have a problem. Church, can I just help you with that? You have a problem. Now, it might be different than this person's problem. Every single person in this room has a problem that we need to recognize and say, listen, this isn't okay. Can I share you with my, what mine is? You guys probably know, those of you who know me, I struggle with anxiety. 
Okay? I can worry myself into places of oblivion. It's hurt my marriage. It's hurt my family. It's hurt our ministry before. That's something that I have to recognize about my life. And I say, listen, this is something I struggle with. And it can take me down the path of wickedness if I don't be careful. You have to recognize it. But here's the second one, and I'm going to make you write this one down too. Because this is the hardest step. You have to reveal it. The first step is we need to recognize it. We need to own it. But the second step is the hardest step. We have to reveal it. See, some of you today are probably thinking right now about something in your mind. You say, oh, this is something I really, yep, pastor, that's it. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to leave here and you're going to say, okay, well, I'm just going to keep this to myself. I can't bring myself to confess this. I can't let anybody know about this. I'm going to keep it to myself, and I'm just going to help you with something. The enemy's got you right where he wants you. Because until you choose to reveal it, until you bring it into the light, it will still have the same power and same control over you. Just because you recognize it doesn't change anything. You have to reveal it. And I can understand that can be scary. I can understand that can be hard. And maybe you say, listen, I don't know if I can trust this information. And you need to protect that information. Because if you say something, reveal it to the wrong person, it could really hurt you, couldn't it? It might be the case where you might need to find someone to reveal it to. Somebody who won't use it against you. Somebody who won't condemn you with it. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you don't have that person, man, there's a room full of them here. Come talk to me. Not because I'm the person, but I can set you up with some people in this room who would be great to reveal it to. And I'll just take it a step further. There might be something in your life that you're struggling with that I haven't, and you can reveal it to me as your pastor. That's fine. I'll do that. But I'm going to say, listen, I really need to talk to this person because I know they've already gone through that. See, when you reveal it to somebody who's already gone through that, they can relate to that. Again, thinking about addiction, that's very powerful in addiction. When you can have somebody who struggled with addiction to walk with you, that's huge. But church, if you don't reveal it, it won't matter. So we need to recognize it. We need to reveal it. Here's the third one, and this takes a lot of work. First step, hardest step, work step. We have to remove it. Back in the Old Testament, if you read uh, back in the nation of Israel, after David, between David and the exile, there was a long history of kings. And this is kind of how it would work. The king would come along, and there would be evilness, and there would be wickedness, and Israel would go downhill. And then they'd bring back a revival and say, we need to turn back to God, right? We need to repent back to God. And there's this phrase that occurs over and over and over again in the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles when it walks through that. And this is the phrase that it says, but the high places were not removed. What does that mean? So when they would turn from God, when Israel would turn from God, and they would worship these other gods, there was these high places high up on the hills. You can actually still see them today in Israel. And on these high places, they would build these monuments to these false gods. That's where they would go and worship. When they'd have these revivals, follow this. When they'd have these revivals, they would turn back to God, but they wouldn't remove the high places. And what it would be, it would be a cancer that would just sit there. And eventually, like they'd have probably good 10, 20, sometimes 50 years where they'd be following God, but all of a sudden life would happen again. And they would start to go back those same paths. And what would they do? They would turn back to those high places. And those high places end up becoming a stumbling block they go back to. This is why you need to remove it. This is why Jesus said, listen, and this was extreme when Jesus said it, and it's still extreme to this day. Jesus said, listen, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better to go through life with one eye than have two eyes and go to hell. That's what Jesus said. That's not my words. Now, if that sounds kind of extreme to you, just imagine this statement. 
if your internet is causing you to sin, disconnect it. It's better for you to go through life without Facebook than have Facebook and go to hell. Now, in the 21st century, it's more extreme for me to say don't have internet <laughs> than it is for me to say pluck out your eye, right? You might say, oh, I could pluck out my eye just fine, but don't take away my iPhone. It's true, isn't it? What are the high places in your life? Those places that you return to. And I don't know what that answer is. Maybe there's something that you need to remove. Maybe there's a relationship. You just need to say, listen, I need to cut this relationship off because this is not a healthy relationship. And I love this person and I want this person to know Jesus, but, but this is a high place in my life that I have to just remove right now until I can get that repentance. So we need to recognize it. We need to reveal it. We need to remove it. And here is the key. And I, this last one is the key. First step, hardest step, the work step. This is the key step. Ready for this, church? You need to replace it. You need to replace it. It's not enough just to remove it. It's not enough just to reveal it. You have to replace it. Here's what I'm saying. You ever try to just stop doing something? I'm just going to stop doing it. Again, I just use addiction because I think that's one of the easier examples. So I'm just going to stop smoking. I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. Now, there's a small percentage of people that can do that, but you know why there's a small percentage of people that can do that? Because it's hard. Addiction's hard. You have to replace it with something else. The way God wired us in our brains is we are very familiar creatures. We like the familiar. We like what's common. We like what we know. And so when we're in times of trouble, when we're in times of struggle, we go back to what we know. We go back to what's comfortable. We go back to what's safe. We go back to what we like. And unless you replace the wickedness with something positive, eventually you'll go back there. It might be a month. It might be a couple years. It might be a couple decades. But if you don't replace it with something else, you will go back there. That's why it's so important to get so far away from that. I'll use my example again that I said, my own life. I talk about my anxiety right? And I talk about how I've recognized it. I've talked about how I've revealed it to people in my life. I talk about how I, I remove it and do things with it. But here's what I've replaced it with in my life. I've replaced my worrying with prayer. We've talked about this before. You can't just say, the Bible says, Philippians 4, do not worry about anything, right? Way to go, Paul. Yeah, sure, I'll just stop worrying. But what does he say? But in everything, with prayer and petition, present your request to God. Don't just stop worrying, Jeff. You can't do that. It's not possible for me. But instead, I'm going to take that worry and I'm going to replace it with prayer. And in those moments, I'm going to take my worries to God, who, by the way, can actually do something with my worry, can he? And he can re release me from that. Maybe one of the things you need to replace in your life is you need to replace a lot of the filth and garbage that you're looking at your phone with God's word. Do you know that you can download an app called YouVersion and you can read it? And instead, when you're looking at the stuff you shouldn't be looking at, look at your phone, replace it with God's word. If you remember back in week two, when we went through these duels, I gave you a challenge. I said, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's 31 days in the month of July. Read a chapter of Proverbs every single day. What am I saying? Replace it. Get rid of those high places and replace it with God's word. And maybe you're feeling guilty right now saying, oh, I totally forgot about that. I haven't been doing that. It's not too late. Today is the day that you can do that. See, with repentance, you need to understand you have the power the whole time. You are Dorothy with the ruby red slippers that God has given you. Tap your heels together and say, there's no place like home. 
I am going to recognize this thing in my life that is wicked and not okay. I'm going to reveal it to somebody. I'm going to disclose that to somebody and say, listen, this is what's going on in my life. I need you to help. I need you to pray with me. If you don't have that person, let me know. And then you need to remove it. I don't know what that means for you. That's going to be some work, but you have to do that. But then we need to replace it as well. Replace it with that. You have the ruby red slippers. And here's what I want to go. Romans 12, chapter 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Church, the hardest person to forgive in life is yourself. And if you're here today, or you're watching online, or you're listening to the podcast, and you've abandoned your family, there's a guilt that you have that you can never give back. You're never going to be able to repay your family for the time that you lost. But you know what you can do? You can repent. You can recognize that. You can reveal it to them. You can remove it. And you can replace it with the time you have left. Because as long as you have breath in your body, God's not done with you yet. And God can begin to reveal that relationship. If you're here today and you've cheated on your partner, now's the time to reveal it. And take that step to do that. Is that a scary thing to do? Maybe. Could it end your marriage? Probably. But if you keep going down that road, it's not going to end well. And that's where wickedness comes from. Maybe you've turned away from your parents. Maybe you have someone in your family that's undermining you. Maybe you've been a victim of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. And you need to talk about that. You need to reveal that. Church, can I just say it again? You have the ruby red slippers. And don't miss this again. Satan wants to fight that so bad. And if you're feeling a struggle right now, please know that's the enemy. And he's saying, oh, listen, dude, you know why he doesn't want you to have that so bad? Because he knows the power. Just like the good witch told Dorothy, those things must be very powerful. Because he knows the truth that your repentance is the key to unlocking your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it will lead you from the path of the wickedness. We turn, we repent, we turn from the wickedness and we come back over here to the chair of wisdom. And when we do that, church, again, it's never too late. I don't care who you are, what you've done, welcome home. God's here for you. And our homes can be like none other place we can be. And there'll be no place like home. Let's pray. God, thank you for the ruby red slippers that you've given each one of us. And just like Dorothy in the movie, we've had the power the whole time. But God, there is an enemy that hates you, that hates our family, that wants to seek, kill, and destroy. God, there is a wickedness that we see in our world. And God, it's really easy to see that wickedness in other people and in their actions, God, but it's really hard to see that own wickedness in the mirror. Because all of us think we're, we're really not that bad. <laughs> And maybe we're not, God, but again, each one of those little bites away from you is taking us further and further from our relationship with you. And before you know it, we turn around, and man, our marriage has ended. Our relationship with our kids are gone. That relationship is over, whatever that is, God. And God, I pray right now for anybody in this room who's thinking it's too late for me. God, it's never too late for anyone. And that today that they would tap their heels together and say there's no place like home. And God, that they would find, they would finally take that step to recognize it. That they would finally recognize that, listen, this is not okay. And maybe it's from years ago, there's something they need to say, listen, this wasn't okay, and I just need to recognize that. 
But God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the courage to reveal it. To bring it into the light and say, listen, I, I need to tell you something and it's not, it's not okay. And that they would find a safe person. If they don't have one, God, that we would connect them to somebody, maybe in this room, that they can reveal it to you. And God, the work part of that is removing it. That, that takes a lot of work. It can take a lot of time. But again, I'm asking for wisdom that we would find the places that we can remove that. But ultimately, God, that we would replace it with you. Your love, your grace, your word, your prayer, your church. God, maybe the way they replace it is every single Sunday they just make a commitment to be in your house. God, maybe the, the, the replacement is to say, every day I'm going to be in your word. And I'm going to fill my head and my knowledge with your word, not the world's smut. Whatever that is, God, that we would give the wisdom to do that. Because we've had the power the whole time. And Jesus, I thank you that you're not a God who doesn't relate to us. Because our words, your word says, Jesus, that you were tempted in every single way that we're tempted as well. But you were able to stand up to that temptation. God, give us the wisdom and the strength to be like Jesus. And when the enemy comes and says, hey, why don't you come take a little bite over here? We could say no and stand on the promise of your word and avoid the path of the wicked, that we would turn, that we would repent from what we're doing and turn back towards the good shepherd. Jesus, we thank you and praise you and ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.